As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Golden. And we're having 20-minute talks with entrepreneurs teaching you how to launch your product into revenue. Check out our book at howtobuildarocketship.com to reserve your launch discount and to download a free chapter. Today we talked with Yashar, the founder of CrowdClock. He talks about his B2B-style approach to what's really a marketplace app. Really interesting perspectives there. He also opens up with us about what drives him as an entrepreneur and a problem solver. Really nice chat with Yashar. You guys are going to dig it. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. We're here with Yashar from CrowdClock. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for, thanks for joining us here. Uh, now, Yashar, this CrowdClock is not your first venture. Um, as I understand, in 2005, you started another company. Why don't you kind of take us back there and tell us um, what you learned from your first venture. Sure. Uh, so the first venture was uh, actually called Bidunary, and it was two of my friends who originally started it. And the reason why they started is because one of them had his grandmother passed away. And he was looking through the yellow pages, and he didn't know which funeral service he should go with. Um, so that brought him the idea of, you know, there should be a better way of doing it. And that created Videonary. And Videonary was basically, we would go out, film small, medium-sized businesses, edit the video down to 60 seconds, and then the audience, you know, whoever came to our site, they would see the video and get a feel, you know, for what the place is like and, uh, you know, the aesthetics, environment, is there music playing, etc. So what, what happened with that? Did you exit? Was there, did you sell it? Um, what was kind of the end result of that? Uh, the end result was, uh, like many other companies in 2008 who weren't able to stay afloat, uh, we had raised uh, friends and family rounds, and we uh, came to a point in 2008 where we were uh, receiving a lot of promises from uh, 
and the Bay Area, you know, in terms of uh, capital investment, they fell through because of the housing crisis or for whatever other reasons there were. But uh, yeah. So, um, what are you doing differently when approaching Crab Clock? What I'm primarily doing different now is I am very aggressive in terms of partnering with other companies. Uh, that is uh, the biggest uh, thing that's different between CrowdClock and Videonary. Uh, at Videonary, we're very cautious in, in partnering with other companies, if ever. Uh, but now my whole approach is uh, we should be able to partner with other companies that have seen successes and essentially you know, be able to give them something while they give us uh, you know, a push. Sure. So you have kind of a the classic marketplace, the chicken and the egg problem. Um, but I got really excited when you told me how you were approaching it. So why don't you um, kind of enlighten us on your sales strategy and how you approached the crowd clock marketplace? Sure. So uh, initially when we started CrowdClock, we were thinking about coming up with a smartphone app, first with iOS and then Android. Uh, but that did bring up the question of, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? And we decided to take a different approach. And that approach is we go out and we find companies that we can partner with. And by partnering, I mean that we allow them to white label our APIs, make the technology of being able to set instantaneous appointments between two uh, components, you know, the user and the business, uh, part of their technology offering. And so we're basically saying, guys, here's the free stuff. You can implement it and uh, you can run away with it. The way that we create revenue there is every time an appointment is made, the business pays us. Uh, so we are a pay-per-service uh, or pay-per-performance uh, type of business. The other thing that we're doing differently is every single business that signs up with us, they can also put a widget or a WordPress plugin into their website. It takes less than five minutes to do that. Um, so that's definitely the different approach, and we also have uh, our app as well. So with putting all the effort, um, at least in the beginning, on uh, getting these companies to use the product and get it as part of their infrastructure, um, aside from letting them put a widget or a link or something on their own website, what are you doing to get the other half of the marketplace there and um, showing consumers that that's an option for them when they're making appointments at these places? So what we're doing there, and if I understand your question or, or correctly is for consumers who are already visiting, you know, their favorite business, you know, they go to the website, they can make an instantaneous appointment from their favorite website. Uh, case in point, if you go to White, White Orchid Salon and Spa's website, you see a widget, you make an appointment directly from there. If it's the first time you're making an appointment, you actually do receive an email from CrowdClock, you know, giving an information of, great, you made an appointment, you know, with such and such person at such and such time. And we also include a link for them to download the app. So it becomes, we basically, we leverage our businesses uh, to, to be the mouthpiece for CrowdClock, so to speak. For the consumer, is all they ever see the website or the app? And can they, are you trying to get them to discover new companies through the app? Or is it only, would they only be using it when a, a company that they already work with allows them to make an appointment through it? Eventually, we'd like it where CrowdClock can become a discovery, you know, discovery uh, new uh, businesses for users that download the app. Uh, but that's going to be ways down the road. And it would be a very costly endeavor for us to undertake to be able to educate, you know, uh, consumers to download the app and use it. 
So rather than, the, uh, than take that approach, we simply go ahead and partner with companies. Like I said, they white label it. And if you usually go to you know, you know, website XYZ and you find businesses there, the idea is you can make appointments there. And it doesn't have to even say crowdfund. Uh, but every time the appointment is made, we still uh, create revenue. So when you white label, is the email that they're getting white labeled too? Or does it come from CrowdClock? Both. Right now it comes from CrowdClock, but eventually down the road, uh, upon demand and request from our partners, we will go ahead and white label that as well. Um, so how are you approaching um, the businesses that start to use CrowdClock in the first place? Because um, many of them, you know, if it's a spa or a doctor's office or any business that takes appointments, uh, I'm assuming many of them already have something in place. Um, how are you approaching them and getting them to switch to your system? So, first of all, you'd be surprised at how many businesses are still using pen and paper, uh, which is surprising to people in our field since we're all about tech. But for those who are using technology, the majority of them are actually using Google Apps as part of their business suite. And with that comes Google, uh, Google Calendar. Crowdlock is not a calendar system by any means. So we actually go ahead and sync up with their existing calendar. In this case, it's Google Calendar and iCal. And we're working on Outlook as well. So when somebody signs up with us, they put all their appointments on Google Calendar even as a manual process. But when they sync it up with Crowdlock, every appointment that they put in manually becomes a, a time slot that nobody else can take when they try to make the appointment either through their website or through uh, Crowdlock, the app, or our website. So do you help out with that initial content entry? Yes. Initially, um, the way we're doing it right now is we set up you know, a phone call, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, we walk them through the process. Um, but eventually, once uh, we have a better idea of what the common questions and, and answers are, then we're going to create videos for uh, our future businesses so they can look at those. That's cool. So CrowdClock could be used for any industry. Um, it, you could integrate it into anyone who needs to make appointments. How are you picking the segments that you're going after initially? Um, to, to tackle to get the most growth? Uh, well, we, we, the way we're tackling of which businesses or which verticals to go after first mm -hmm. is basically which ones are the lowest hanging fruit. Uh, we started out going after physicians because uh, one of our co-founders is a physician, uh, as well as beauty salons and dentists. Uh, but as we've progressed, we started seeing that there's a lot of interest from real estate people uh, simply because there's approximately 5 million, 5 million homes sold every month and the average home buyer looks at 10 to 12 homes. So if our math is correct, that's you know tens of millions of, of home viewings per month <laughs> and it's something that they need. Um, so we're, you know, right now we're, when we talk about verticals, you know, physicians, chiropractors, dentists, beauty salons, those are kind of what we're concentrating on as well as real estate. Um, but we've had other businesses come and approach us, like auto mechanics. We even had a print shop approach us, uh, which was very interesting. And we don't say no. If, if it makes sense for them to use it, why not? Mm -hmm. um, and they're also teaching us how they're going to be using it. And that's really cool for us. So going back to pricing, how do you handle that with you're charging a low amount for appointments made? Do you just bill them after the fact? Is there a certain minimum? With, you know, with credit card charges, you can't make money if you're billing single dollars. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's no uh, good system out there that allows us for microtransactions. Uh, so what we've done is we customized uh, an API from Stripe, 
which is the payment gateway that we use. And we charge them 20 cents, but we're actually not running it through Stripe until it reaches $10 minimum. So at the end of every month, if it's $10 or more, we run the credit card. If it's less than $10, then we run it the following month. Interesting. So you've recently um, wrote a post about raising money in San Diego, and you have a very interesting story about heading up to San Francisco, yes, uh, finding an investor. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, if you're building in kind of a, a smaller market, um, what kind of advice do you have for those that sometimes get frustrated that we're not San Francisco? My advice, I mean, first of all, it has to be a product that you are fully on board with. You, you have complete belief in it. Uh, and then you go out and, and validate that by getting, and I think Brand Cooper makes a really good point, you validate it by getting initial customers, finding out what it is that they like or dislike, and trying to prove it in a very small uh, you know, area. Once you've done that, uh, I think you shouldn't be afraid to seek capital outside of your city. It doesn't matter if it's San Diego or a small town in Florida or, you know, Colorado or, or anywhere else. Uh, what's good about us here in San Diego is we're relatively close to Los Angeles. It's an hour and a half or two hours drive. Uh, the VC world there is budding uh, and that's a place that I would really recommend people to seek out capital from. Um, and I would also, you know, tell people, you know, go to San Francisco, seek capital there. And if you have to move there, uh, then you have to move there because ultimately what's important to you? Is it your company or is it where you live? And if the answer is the second, then you shouldn't even be in the, in the entrepreneur business. Yeah. So speaking of that, um, what, what drives you as an entrepreneur? We just talked to um, TK who wrote a blog post about it takes three years for validation and this is kind of a long, slow road. So what what drives you each day to continue doing and building? What drives me is the same thing that's been driving me my whole life in every walk of life. Uh, if I see a problem, I want to find a solution. And that has always been my driving factor. Uh, I mean, it was the same thing at Videonary. I, I saw the problem and I loved the solution that we were coming up with. Uh, with CrowdClock, um, you know, the, the problem is people don't want to be put on hold. It's something we dislike. Every time I call my doctor at Scripps, I put, you know, through the, the phone and, you know, until I finally get to my doctor, mm -hmm. you know, five minutes or 10 minutes may have gone by. And by the time they reach me back, I might be in a meeting. For businesses, it's all about margin optimization. How do they create more businesses, you know, more customers to come in through the door without spending more money on a potential possibility that there might be more customers coming in. And so we believe that CrowdClock is that solution where we bring down the cost of doing business while increasing revenues. And for regular uh, everyday Joes, it's all about, I need an appointment now, or it might be in the case of, you might have an emergency. Uh, I need to see my uh, physician right away. How do you do that? Mm -hmm. You call every single physician. That's, that's you know the, the solution they have today. But with CrowdClock, you simply put in, I'm looking for a physician, and we find within a 10-mile radius exactly who's available in the next five to six hours. Mm -hmm. And you can make an appointment right away. That's great. Yeah, then you're at ease. Yeah. yeah. So going back, how, how are you getting in touch with these companies? Are you cold calling? Are you going in and 
making appointments. I mean, doctors are probably some of the hardest people to get a meeting with. Absolutely. Uh, doctors are definitely some of the hardest along with dentists. They, they have what people call gatekeepers, and the gatekeepers are usually the receptionists. Uh, the way we're going about it is we're doing a, a two-tier approach. One is we do cold calling. We call them randomly and, and we tell them, uh, you know, we're calling from Croflock. This is what we're doing. Uh, the uh, other method is we partner with companies that already have, you know, doctors, for example, as customers. They might have dentists as customers. And so we get them through that way. The third way that we do it is in our app, in Crowdlock, the app, and also the website, the new version that's coming out in a, in a month. Every business that's listed on Yelp is also listed on Crowdlock, and that's because we're utilizing their API. So if a consumer attempts to make an appointment with a business that's technically not on Crowdlock yet, we get notified immediately, and we call that business and tell them there's been X number of requests for making an appointment. By the way, here's how you can sign up to Crowdlock. That's great. And is their API free? Yes, uh, but you do have to get permission from them, and luckily we got that permission. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. So how long have um, you been running uh, CrowdClock, and what has the growth looked like so far? Um, we started CrowdClock in 2012, and we went through development hell many times, uh, many iterations that we have to throw away, uh, many different uh, you know, development phases, you know, initially we we're going to do a, a native wrapper with HTML5 app in the middle, you know, we threw that away, then um, finally, you know, in the last eight and nine months, uh, we completely redid our infrastructure, you know, the APIs, they're all based on uh, uh, on PHP, you know, Zen framework, and then native, uh, native coding, but our growth, uh, since we launched our app in about two, three weeks ago, has been phenomenal. Uh, through the partnerships, we now have nearly 700 providers in our system, and we're growing fairly rapidly. And so we're happy, but we want to grow faster. So if, if you've got almost 700 in there and you launched, uh, what would you say, three weeks ago? Yeah. Um, what, you, you must have done a big pre-sales push. Absolutely. Uh, you have to nurture those relationships from very early on. Uh, you have to go out, meet with companies schmooze with them, explain to them what it is that you're trying to solve and meet them halfway. You know, what is it that they are getting out of it? And what they're getting out of it is they can now offer their customers the capability of instant appointment setting and keep track of it uh, instead of just being a lead generator. And for us, we get to uh, essentially partner with a company that has already done the sales, has already introduced their services to their respective business clients that the joint Craftwork as well. So were you doing um, all of these pre-sales and relationship building and outreach um, all the way through your iterations of dev? Uh, yes, I would say definitely in the last 12 to 14 months uh, I've been doing that. Um, I wish I could have done a little bit more, but you know, when, when you're wearing a lot of hats as a startup founder, you, uh, you unfortunately can only do so much. So I hope to change that you know, with more people coming up. Yeah, one of the big things that we talk about um, and kind of try to show people how we've done is talking to customers early. And it sounds like you've taken a very similar approach. Um, what what would you say, um, do you have any advice on people balancing between talking to customers, generating leads, and building the product? And how have you balanced that in the early stages? I think the best way to do that is to be very... Uh, 
militaristic in the sense of, and it's something that's very foreign to a lot of entrepreneurs because we tend to have ADD or ADHD and be all over the place. But I think it's very important to really map out your, your schedule, uh, your daily schedule. What are the things you're going to do today and what are the things you're going to do, uh, do tomorrow? So before you go to bed, in my case, I try to map out what are the most critical things that I need to attend to tomorrow. And if there are emails that I haven't attended to throughout the day, I attend to them right before I go to bed. Okay. Or while I'm in bed, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Clearing out the... Exactly. Yeah. So uh, be patient. That, that's another thing. Uh, patience is definitely a virtue uh, because uh, it's something you have to have or, or you're not going to be able to be successful, in my opinion, because uh, when you have a startup, you have to go through a lot of uh, phases that may not be as pleasant as you'd like. I mean, you say that you're 100% committed to this. Yes. Assuming that you weren't early on, how many months would it have taken for you to be convinced that it had legs? Because a lot of people give up in the first couple of months when it looks like things aren't going well. But a lot of times that's before anything has, has hit yet. So how long did it take for you to realize you were onto something? You know, uh, the initial idea, we started mapping out the idea, you know, sometime in 2011. Uh, but became fully committed in 2012. And what caused me to, to become fully committed to it wasn't any one thing. It was more factor of different things uh, primarily you know that I have faith in, 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 in the vision that we have for CrowdHawk and the people that we had spoken to did they like the idea did they like the wireframe designs that we had created and just the concept and uh, doing that doing research finding out what the pain points that businesses were experiencing you know I finally concluded you know what I either dive in full-time and forego everything else, you know, any vacation, any, you know, uh, leisure time and just focus on this. And then luckily have a wife that's extremely patient and understanding. Uh, so that definitely helps uh, if you're a married guy or, or gal. Very yeah. cool. Well, so for anyone that wants to join you on this journey, where do they find you online? Uh, they can uh, find me on Twitter. I'm pretty active or try to be as active as I can. Uh, my Twitter username is Yashar A, Y-A-S-H-A-R-A. Or they can always uh, like us on Facebook. It's very easy. It's facebook.com forward slash craftlock. Uh, our Twitter channel is also craftlock, so it's at craftlock. Uh, or they can email us, info at craftlock.com. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Very well. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you haven't yet, pop open iTunes and subscribe to be notified of future episodes. We have some really great ones lined up. And while you're there, leave us a review. We really appreciate each and every one of them. Son, I told you I got them bangs like Goya. Gone up them, got me jumping off the sofa. Hotter than a hot pocket out the devil microwave. Model Disney begging just to be a nugget. Excited for garments like a tailor made. And when he see me, man, they really in the Everglades. Every day, same ish, me getting paid. Waking up new gifts, me getting Used to take bottle back, waitress bring the bottle back. Now they see me shining and they looking like a sour patch. Catch a heart attack, new poor salt pack, never blow bunk wraps. But these bunk wraps sewn up, whoever thought I'd be the greatest growing up.